Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast and excited for today's guest, Jeff Laguna from uh, Kuju Coffee. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for having me. So for those who don't know, I'd love for you to just give a quick 20 second pitch of what's special about Kuju. Sure. Well, well, first off, we're not a coffee shop. We don't do sell, sell whole beans or ground coffee. We actually are a company founded by two Eagle Scout brothers who got tired of instant coffee while camping. And we pioneered and brought to market what's called the pocket pour over. It's a pour over filter that anchors your mug with specialty coffee grounds freshly sealed inside. And this filter actually uh, comes in a pouch that's it's all folded up and you just expand the anchors and you can anchor to your mug and brew a delicious pour over, uh, whether you're on a, a family trip or an outdoor adventure. Um, started for camping, but people use it for any any moment when they're not um, at a kitchen counter. I love that. Convenient pour over coffee. You sound to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So talk about your journey of, of getting started. So I know the business is about six years old now. Uh, what were those first, uh, initial, the first initial year like? Uh, well, the first initial year was was exciting, but it was also very scary because we were pioneering something that just didn't exist in the U.S. market at all. And that sounds like a simple statement, but when something doesn't exist in that sense, it also means that there's no pre-built supply chain or manufacturing capacity within the country to support the manufacturing of something like that at scale. So we did all the manufacturing in-house in a living room. Um, we had made capital investments for certain machinery. And, you know, that had broken down when we were doing a giant order for Subaru, but we figured that out and we couldn't really go to any co-packers because they didn't exist. So the beginning of the company was actually a lot of innovation experience focused on the supply chain side. Um simultaneously to having launched a brand through Kickstarter prior to kind of building all that. So uh, it started with just being able to make the products and make enough of it uh, for the stores that were ordering it. I love that. You know, it, and I think you know, when we first met, it was similar to T-squares. We were like, oh, we have this idea of making bite-sized crunchy energy bars. How hard could that be? And you realize that like the equipment didn't exist was really expensive or it's hard to get. And you end up having to just make a lot of it up as you go and piece everything together and eventually yeah. start building your, your own systems. Um, so did you end up, are you still making it yourself or did you end up finding a manufacturer? Uh, we, we are relatively vertically integrated, um, not 100%, but that's probably my way of saying it's still uh, within our uh, purview. Um, we're not outsourcing to uh, any particular manufacturers that might have capabilities for it now. So it's, it's still us, just like it was from the beginning. Nice. I know that's really exciting and also just a uh, additional layer, good and bad, to, to manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it definitely depends on how you structure your uh, organization and your time allocations. Um, but it, we've figured out some good, I mean, we've been doing it for a couple of years now and it's been generally a, a pretty good run. And it, it's, you know, assisted with all the national launches that we've done in the last two to three years as well. So I think... I think things are okay <laughs> for now. Yeah. 
Love that. So how much of your business is kind of split between selling direct to consumer and selling in retail now? Yeah, historically, we've always been about 75% wholesale and 25% uh, e-commerce. And as we've grown more in wholesale, I think the wholesale component of that is starting to creep forward. And naturally what happens, I think if you're doing it right, is you're starting to be required to consolidate, 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 focus, focus, focus to drive better economies of scale. Um, so with you know, our recent Whole Foods national launch and um, the floor displays that just launched nationally at Sprouts just probably a week ago, there's a lot of allocated energy to the wholesale space at the moment. And I think uh, there's a high chance that's likely where a lot of the energy is going to go. Um, in addition to, we, we are an outdoor brand, uh, inherently an experiential brand, and our community is very big on the outdoors and experiences. So we also just think there's a lot of brand alignment to investing into discovery that might be more aligned with the actual brand ethos as well. This is exciting. I'm I'm curious where does most of your discovery come from? Is it from like people in the outdoor community sharing it with each other? Are you doing a lot of like trade shows amongst that community? Um, is it digital advertising? Where you find that's, that's a good question. I think the majority of the discovery that happens for our brand that is memorable and actually drives preceding action is actually when people will use us on backpacking or camping trips. Um, and it's because that's the core of the brand. It's where people realize uh, the coffee is really good. They're able to experience the brand as it was intended. And then thereafter, they will share it with other people who are camping um, or bring it home and use it when they're at hotels and so forth. But there's obviously discovery at our, our retail partners uh, if we're doing sampling. But over the years, it's, it's consist consistently been Hey, I was at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and I pulled out your pour over. A friend had given it to me on a last camping trip. I used it and I'm so used to drinking bad instant coffee and I wasn't sure. And it was amazing. And I think there's this really magical moment that we get. And we kind of call that the Kuja moment where we're delivering really good tasting pour over unexpectedly in a beautiful outdoor setting. Um, and that is really what it's all about for the company. So that that's continued to hold true. Uh, time and time again for discovery. This is beautiful, uh, kind of like that moment when consumers are experiencing the product how you intended. I know with um, T-squares, we had that moment where we call it the point of energy where someone is um, like working at their desk because it's kind of pre-pandemic, but, um, and running out of energy, instead of grabbing a second or third cup of coffee for the day, they grab some T-squares and it helps to, to keep them focused and alert. And that was like the key moment. And yeah. for us, it meant selling in corporate offices and getting as close to that consumer pain point as possible. And I love for you guys, it's getting to that moment of like being outdoors on the adventure. And it's led you to selling retailers like REI and Bass Pro Shops, right? Yeah. Yeah. So REI and Sportsman's Warehouse are the two outdoor chain retailers that really took a bet on us uh, when we debuted in our first year. Uh, but we've you know, we're in Academy Sports, we're in Bass Pro, uh, MEC in Canada. Uh, we recently just got distribution to Shields in the, in the Midwest as well. And it's, it's, it's really just about staying focused, I think. It's so easy and tempting to 
go do the other things that you're seeing getting posted on LinkedIn. And I, I think it's important that your strategy be as singular and unique to the value proposition that you're trying to propose as much as possible. And I think that's in large part why we've been able to be relatively consistent over the years. So you're six years into the business now. Is it what you expected it would be in terms of the journey and the lifestyle? Uh, no, absolutely not. I don't, I think I expect, you, you know, the, the, the thing that I expected was when we would get certain wins, like, hey, what, if we can just get into REI, we'll be good. If we can just get into Whole Foods or Sprouts or a display or see good velocity, it'll be good. And I have to be really uh, upfront about this. You know, each one of those moments, I kind of call a mirage. Um, they look beautiful from afar, but when you get there, they don't really exist. And I think what I have ultimately learned at this stage in leading the business is it is that stereotypical enjoy the journey, but I, I think you have to love what you are bringing and creating for the world and be passionate about it enough where you're not, you're not really ever happy with it. You actually want to make it better for them and, and them being the customer. And I, I kind of attribute that to uh, like, if you're writing um, a piece of music, I don't know if a true musician, I, I'm a, a musician myself is ever happy with the song. You're always looking at how you can make it better because that in, inherently is the craft. So at this stage in the game, it, it's, I had to ask myself, Hey, uh, are you okay with just, continuing to refine what this is day in day out for as long as that is your thing um and and i think i had to really understand like what the point of that was and i, I found some you know deeper reasons for that and I, I think i feel a lot more energy now than i have in, in a lot of years actually to keep keep pushing uh which I, I can go into but but the answer would be yeah i'm, I'm really excited but it's a much more tempered mature uh, acumen, excitement. I think it's different to be excited to see your product on shelf for the first time. That's a yeah. certain type of excitement. <laughs> it's another excitement to say, Hey, I'm really excited about serving the employees that we work with, making our retailers feel good about working with us and helping them hit their targets. It's a, it's a different kind of approach, I think. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I'm, I'm glad you kind of had those introspective moments. I know a lot of people have over the last few years and especially running a business through the pandemic and just in that, you know, I typically see it happening year like four or five, six of running a business where you take a step back and you're like, okay, is this going how I want it to go? Um, how do I find my new sense of, of balance and place and creation through it? Um, so what, what was that journey like for you? Was, were there kind of low points or high points? Yeah, I, I think it was, there was a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a low point. I think I would call it a lost point where I realized that we had achieved everything that we had dreamed of achieving. It was national REI, national sprouts, getting into all these outdoor stores, uh, national whole foods. I thought it would take forever to get that stuff done. And the National Whole Foods launch was a huge surprise for us. And once we accomplished that, I, I genuinely didn't realize that I wasn't sure what we should do next after that. Um, so I had to ask this question, like, how do we get excited about the future? And I think once I realized this was not about me and it's about how can you build an organization that serves all of your stakeholders with positive financial health and positive cultural impact and relevance, it all started to make sense to me. It, it, 
all the things before that was more about maybe somebody like myself trying to prove it to myself or others that I could do it. Once I got over that, I was like, well, if I'm not trying to prove this to anyone, why am I working on this? And it became about the, like, you know, it, honestly, the mission of the company to, to create moments that are rejuvenating in the outdoors for people. Um, but also just recognizing the threads of trust that stakeholders and customers have given us and to honor those and deliver value within those threads um, is actually inherently unique because there's a lot of areas of life where you kind of feel like trust can be broken, whether it's in your personal or work life in various ways. And to be a beacon of strong trust and longevity and reliability and innovation, I think is a very positive intergenerational value add to society as a whole. So my motivation comes from long-term thinking uh, in terms of culture and also just how material things like a company can uh, maybe hint people towards uh, living deeper and more purposeful lives over time. And I really respect that. Yeah, yeah, I really respect that journey. You know, I've been doing a lot of reflecting for uh, my previous company, T-Squares. And I would say like at the very beginning, there was a lot of wanting to just build something really successful, you know, a lot of like, uh, like the large tech startups and make a hundred million dollars and sell it really big. And yes, we had a product and a, a mission that I believed in, but there's this goal of that should come to fruition really, really quickly. And over time, I became much more balanced and nuanced in terms of what, what, the role the business played in, in my own life. And, and as you kind of mentioned is for me, it became less about the, the ego of just wanting to build something really successful and more about the, the process and the journey of building something that was valuable to the people around me. And like you say, the partners and stakeholders along the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you've gotten to a point now where six years in you kind of reached, have you reached break even? Yeah, we're what I'd call at a steady operating state. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we're super net positive every month, but on net, we're at a steady state break-even uh, basis. And that's pretty exciting, but, it, you know, it takes a lot of gradual work. Once you get there, it's, it's like running a, a marathon. Everyone's excited when you get there, but you've been there mile after mile, and you, you knew when you were going to get there. So it kind of feels... Again, a little bit like a mirage, but but it is very. Um, I mean, you take a step back, you know. I, I think it, it's something to be very excited about because it means that you've got some really healthy brand foundations that you can build on top of. Yeah, you know, one thing that I talk a lot about is helping brands get to a point where they have more options. Because early on, is as you know, it's really expensive to bring on to serve the business, and a lot of times people take on investment not because it's going to help them grow, but because it's going to keep them from having to close the doors and they end up in deals that they don't have the decision. But once you get to a point where you found a product market fit and that you are at least break even, then it opens up the options to either grow sustainably or take on new investment. And I know you're thinking about doing some, some new investment as well to, to grow. Is that right? Yeah, we, we're looking at uh, ways to invest into the stronger components of the the foundation of the business. Um, it, it's, it's not exactly clear how we would want to do that just yet, uh, but we do want to do it in such a way where we can continue to be focused on the, the mission of the company and not compromised uh, to reach any like growth targets that are maybe within a set of terms. Um, and also 
to do it in such a way that is uh, long-term driven. I think one of the core tenets of how I hope we can build the company is that it lasts for a hundred plus years and uh, is, is a source of healthy intergenerational uh, cultural impact and wealth. Now, doing that in a healthy way typically means that you can't promise a 10X return in five years. Uh, and it requires a lot of patience and a lot of groundedness. So I think, you know, as we look at how we want to grow with the business, I think it has a lot to do with, has less to do with what is the potential for the brand. I think that that is increasingly crystallized as you become a more stable business. Uh, and it has a lot more to do with working with people who share that 100 year plus vision uh, for a healthy, purpose driven, pragmatically innovating company over time, which is very different from, I think, the general temperament of what you probably see when you walk the floors at Expo West. It's all about hype. It's all about incremental innovation quickly for the next review. Um, we're looking to build a different type of organization that doesn't necessarily, um, you know, fit, fit those timelines. But, I, you know, those people are out there. And I think we're excited to just attract those people as we uh, kind of look into this. Yeah, I respect that. And I, I want to make an effort to really highlight companies taking this path because I know it wasn't easy. Um, what what do you think was key to your journey? I know it's going to be different for everyone, but what was key to your journey of getting to uh, break even? Getting to break even. Well, well, the first thing I'd probably say is it's definitely a great thing to get to some kind of steady state of operating because it means that you can look at your PL and actually say the ratios are healthy enough to actually analyze um, versus just being overspending on marketing or something. Um, and the first thing I'd probably say is not to overemphasize any single metric, actually, even if it's break even, because uh, if your profits are too high, you might be under innovating. And if you're, they're too small, you might be overspending. And so I think the first thing is just really being strategically focused. I, I, I'm a strong believer that good strategy is what drives profits. And the second thing is, is to understand that there are various metrics at various stages and times of your business and seasonality that matter more or less. And having a very intimate connection with every single one of those metrics, um, essentially a deep familiarity with the way that your business actually works versus just buying shelf space, just understanding why people buy it, the mechanics of your unit economics, um, and having the acumen to adjust those things and iterate them very quickly, I think is how you get there. Um, and I would say I'm very proud to have reached a steady state given all the COVID-related challenges that we've experienced over the last two years. I, you know, I have to admit that's not, that was not simple, but I think the resiliency to be very detail-oriented on every financial lever um, and very patient and not doing things because you think that is what is needing to be done next is, is probably key to that. Because if you're doing what most people are doing, you're probably going to be suboptimal in terms of maximizing your financials. And I, I think what's core to that is when you mentioned seeing this as a hundred plus year journey, it means that you have the time to figure it out that, you know, every business goes through highs and lows and that's okay. Um, but it also leads you not to panic when you're going through those, those periods, um, because you know, huh, I have decades to, to figure this out. Well, I, I would not only just say that, I, I think when you give yourself 
that type of trajectory, you also give your employees, your team, your stakeholders, your supply chain, and your customers, I, I hope the space to breathe and actually have lives that are truly fulfilling mm -hmm. uh, versus calling your VP of sales or supply chain on a Sunday because you have a quarterly review with your board and they want to see results, but they have maybe a five and a seven-year-old at home. I think you, you allow yourself the luxury to say, spend time with your family, um, but come back and work diligently and, and very intentionally. And I, I think the biggest thing that our generation misses out on is, and is struggling with now, I think is the strong tension of balance between home and work. And I think remote work is really a proxy cultural topic for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't think you can build a healthy company without healthy, healthy, holistically healthy employees. And it starts there. I think you can build a very valuable company that can flip and get acquired and make people a lot of money. But that doesn't necessarily mean the company is healthy. And usually an unhealthy company is reflective of a culture or a set of people who are not necessarily holistically healthy. So I think it goes through the entire organization and, and we want everyone to be healthy because that's what creates sustained um, longevity and also sustained profits over time. Couldn't have said it better myself. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.